Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome in. It is On the Clock. Ben Kenny with you. Sports Radio 94 WIP and Phillies 24-7. If you're listening on podcast, we thank you. If you listen on the app, however you do, it's the Red October edition of On the Clock. The Phillies clinched their playoff berth officially on Tuesday on a Johan Rojas walk-off single in the 10th inning off David Bednar. A a true how-the-hell-did-we-get-here kind of moment. Johan Rojas, who starts, obviously, the season in double-A, now he's up and he's their everyday center fielder, or close to it. He drives in Christian Pache, who earlier this year was DFA'd by literally the worst team in baseball, the Oakland Athletics, who now have... I think lost 109 games. So not only just the worst team in baseball, but one of the worst teams we've seen in some time. He drives in Pache in order to get Jeff Hoffman, a guy that is only on the Phillies because he was nasty in a bullpen session with Bryce Harper. They called him up to get Bryce Harper used to facing major league pitching as he came back from Tommy John. He gets the win. And a, a true, like, how how in the world is this all happening? Right? All the big names are everywhere. Harper, Wheeler, Nola, even Ranger Suarez. Throw Kimbrell in the bullpen or Alvarado. And then Stott and Bohm have become household names. Yet, in kind of a beautiful way, the story of the Phillies clinching their playoff berth and then what turned into clinching the number one seed is a couple journeymen or guys that we expected nothing from coming through and kind of wrapping into a bow, what they have done for the team this season. I don't know where this center field position would be without Rojas. Now, the answer is Marsh would be playing every day, but I mean the dynamic of fielding that he has brought, being able to put Marsh in left at times or platoon even when Marsh struggles, just the the flexibility he's given Rob Thompson because of the skill set he brings. Now, his contributions probably do not rival those of Jeff Hoffman, but uh, and Pache as well. He's been injured, but when Christian Pache has been on the field this season, he's contributed pretty much in every way, minus the first two days of the season when everybody called for him to get benched because he couldn't hit in Texas. But uh, Jeff Hoffman especially, the last guy. I mean, where would this bullpen be right now without what Jeff Hoffman has brought? You thought he would be Dylan Covey, bridge man. Well, you thought he'd be nothing. But then once he started pitching, you thought he would just be, oh, yeah, he, he's a bridge. He's fine. You know, it's Jeff Hoffman, kind of the punchline of many jokes. 
That's why I equated him to the 2004 Red Sox version of Curtis Liskanek. Just like a journeyman reliever who somehow in a big spot is going to get in there and get huge outs and you'll feel like it's a fever dream. At this point, Jeff Hoffman is way better than that. And he's been one of their most reliable relievers over the last couple months. So an awesome way for the Phillies to clinch their playoff spot. Red October is officially back. And in awesome fashion, unlike last year and unlike the last decade, the Phillies are actually charging into the playoffs. And that's where I want to start. The first thought coming out of Tuesday night, aside from how drunk is Garrett Stubbs going to be on Wednesday? And the answer is sober enough to go deep, or, or I guess still drunk enough to go deep and catch a full game at which the Phillies also somehow won that game. I don't know what the Pirates are doing. They let a bunch of hungover and maybe still drunk Phillies and half of like a Delco softball league beat them. But that's aside from the point. The team as a whole, though, they're eight and two in their last 10. They clinch the playoffs. You talk about the Cardinals series, two out of three, the Braves series, two out of three, sweeping the Mets in a four-game set, as they should, a dead Mets team, but actually getting the job done and doing it in the first game against Pittsburgh. Like, that is a charge. That is, oh, there's a little bit of doubt in us getting the one seed. Not doubt in the playoffs, but doubt that maybe they wouldn't be hosting the first round in home field and charging forward to the postseason. So I think we as fans, and especially them as a team, more importantly, are not sitting right now and hoping that the switch can be flipped and hoping that as soon as they actually get in, then everything looks different. No, now, again, both for us as fans and I think them inside the building, they look at it as we just have to continue what we're doing, which in my opinion is not nearly as challenging as reversing course and capturing the same lightning in a bottle. No, they're playing great baseball. Other things that maybe you would like to be better and you're not thrilled about? Absolutely. You're going to have that. We've had that all season with this team. Yet the good has always outweighed the bad, at least starting in June and really since the beginning of June when they've been the second best team in the National League behind the Braves. But now they're they're really showing there's a great jail going on and they're charging into the playoffs, which Makes me feel better, admittedly, about their chances there. Yes, it's a it's a crapshoot, but the fact that we get two great starts back-to-back from Aaron Nola, and, and it was awesome, by the way, that he was on the mound clinching that game, and that he pitched great to do it. Because now we're he's not going to pitch between Tuesday and next Wednesday when he starts Game 2 of the Wild Card Series. We're not going to see him in that time, but we're talking about two weeks which he only made two starts, but a two-week stretch, which was probably his best overall stretch of the season. So it's things like that you feel great about. That otherwise, again, you're hoping it would just change, right? Like when Bryce Harper didn't have his power, we, we accepted his value to the team, but hoped that when the playoffs came, okay, we hope that he can suddenly capture last postseason magic. Well, he homered again last night. And he's been hitting 500 in his last two weeks. He's tearing the cover off the ball. So that isn't something that we have to hope changes. Trey Turner in August. We're like, yeah, it would be awesome if he did anything for the team uh, before next season. And then suddenly he goes on a tear that he called one of the best stretches of his career. So it's all those things that are all working. Even if they're not working amazing, they are all working going in, which is why legitimately... 
the Phillies are going to play, and we'll get into this later, preview the wildcard series. They're probably going to play the Diamondbacks, and I like the matchup, but we also have to admit that it's such a small sample that anything can happen. But if the Phillies get to the Braves, like that, that's probably the NL Championship Series, in my eyes. The winner of that goes to the World Series, and honestly, I'm kind of leaning the winner of that series wins it, wins it all. So they they line up well. We know how competitive they are with the Braves, but they're charging into the playoffs, and I'm thrilled about it. There was a lot of I, I mean, it's there's something about baseball where other sports look down on it when teams are celebrating every playoff win or every clinching scenario they have, where the Phillies are great celebrators. Listen, I I saw a celebration in Milwaukee that same night that looked a lot of fun, but it's different. There's something weird with the Phillies, how they're constructed right now. Maybe it's Garrett Stubbs. Maybe it's some of the other guys. I don't know. Bryce Harper doesn't drink, so it's not him. But they are a great celebrating team. They're very good at partying. I don't know what that means, except for they probably want to keep doing it, so they want to win. But other sports look down on baseball for celebrating all those moments. In the NFL, if you win an NFC championship to go to the Super Bowl, yeah, everybody's excited. But you're not popping champagne and going crazy like you are in baseball. It's a baseball thing. Winning a division. Getting through the grind. And then you get a a beer champagne party in the the clubhouse. I love it. And as fans, I think we need to approach it a similar way. I am 25 years old now. I was not alive for 93. Obviously, I was not alive for 1980. The beginning of my baseball life was the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry in 2003, 2004. But the beginning, obviously, of the great Phillies memories was 2007 to 2011. And when you're in the middle of those, it feels like it's never going to end. And it feels like this is just a team and this is an organization. We're going to be celebrating over and over and over again. And then obviously, the end comes eventually. And then we here waited for a decade for the playoffs even to come again. And then a a huge burst of celebrations. And now we're back this year. Just don't take those celebrations, whether you're at a bar or whether it's the Phillies themselves celebrating. Don't take those for granted because you don't know how many you're going to get. And especially with this team, which is one of the more likable sports teams I've encountered in my life from the manager who is very personable. And when they're winning, it's so funny to have a manager that just deadpan, super Canadian, tells the driest jokes, and does it like he's not, he's obviously not Girardi, he's not Gabe Kapler, he's just like a, he's a guy that you'd want to grab a beer with, and you figure is a nice guy. Having that as the manager, and then a star like Harper, young guys that you can get behind, the to tie it back to how we started the show, new life on the team that is fun to both root for and think about their futures in Rojas and maybe Pache, just a likable team that is not going to be together forever. We don't know how long the window, quote-unquote, exists, but you know year to year there are guys like Gene Segura from last year who I loved watching play, and and I will always... like he's, The way he played second base and the way he could dig the ball out of the dirt to hit it, he's an awesome player to watch and root for, and obviously he was a fun part of that team. He's obviously gone now. So there's differences there. It's like it's different from year to year. So the message here is to cherish what's going on right now. And man, I'm excited. I'm over the moon for next week. Number one, the 
pure anxiety I'll have when I wake up every morning and then going into the game. I don't know how it's going to be with the pitch clock and whether I'm going to have time to really get anxious, you know? Um, Because it's just like pitch, pitch, pitch. You don't have the 25 seconds or 30 sometimes, a couple of pickoffs, the suspense is building, which I mentioned I don't like. I wonder what that's going to do for the heart rate and how that compares to last season. But I can't wait. Playoff baseball is the greatest thing ever. You get to watch a, or not watch. You could just check out from this weekend as Thompson gets his team ready. But it's awesome. Thrilled to have it back. An awesome celebration to do it for a walk-off. You, you can't really just paint a better picture. After all the great moments also this team has had to only be squandered by the bullpen, to have Hoffman pitch a great 10th inning, and then Rojas come up next, uh, bottom half, and, and hit the single. That was great. That was great. And Thompson said after the game, listen, this team's built for the playoffs. And I agree completely. That's how it is constructed, to win short series with bursts of power, with dominant starting pitching. Maybe not as much for the 162-game grind, but that's fine because they're in the playoffs now. That weight is lifted. They know they're getting home field. They can feel the jolt of Citizens Bank Park uh, right from the start instead of having to survive on the road to get there. So always looking up for the Phillies. I did want to mention, I, I talked about a couple of guys here that are playing great going into the playoffs. When I mentioned the Phillies are charging in, there are also, and this is obviously very positive show. So with that, I thought about the biggest positives entering the playoffs. I'm not going to mention the concerns, at least in this segment. But seriously, if you think about it, they're like the record's great, and they are charging as a group. But listen to this. So the bullpen is one of our big concerns, right? They're blowing these big games. Alvarado had been hurt, and then he came back, and same as Sir Anthony. Couldn't rely on them. They looked weird. They're walking guys. They're giving up runs. Jose Alvarado's last 15 days, five games pitched. He has three saves in that time. Uh, one awesome one against the Mets where, like, I, I just love his fire in those moments, saving games. But five innings pitched in those 15 days, three hits, only one run, eight strikeouts, an ERA of 1-8, a whip of one, and overall 25 strikeouts in his last 15 innings. So that's a little bit larger sample size, but he's back to missing bats. There have been some signs of him really returning to last year's playoff Alvarado, and I think he's a guy that feeds off that energy in that moment. So he's back to that dominant form, and I know Thompson is going to go matchups at closer in the playoffs. I would be fine if Alvarado gets the majority of those spots. If you're not using him in the eighth to get out of a jam, using him in the ninth to close those games, anybody but Kimbrell which we'll get to in a second. But Alvarado's been really good. Sir Anthony Dominguez, he pitched last night in a game that not many people watched, I figure. But last 15 days for Sir Anthony, five games, 5.1 innings pitched. He's given up one hit, which was a home run, but he's given up one hit, three walks, six strikeouts, a whip of .75, and an average against of 0.59. He is also starting to show signs again of dominance and dominance that the bullpen needs. Because if Alvarado is great, you're going to need a great righty too. You're going to need a matchup guy, whether it is Hoffman somehow or whether it's Sir Anthony himself. The fact that he's returning to this, the bullpen as a whole is really starting 
to look up and look back to what it was in June. Because there was a really rocky stretch where they were blowing games and you figured, oh, when they lose in the playoffs, it's going to be because of this. We could just see it coming from a mile away. It's like you're you're on the train track and the train is coming down and you know you could get off, in this case, if the bullpen started pitching well, but it felt inevitable. It felt like we're going to get hit by the train of the bullpen blowing the season. After the last three weeks, two and a half to three weeks, I might reverse that because the guys in the pen look really good. You obviously have the secret weapon of Ryan Kirkering who, I mean, yeah, put him on the roster. Are you going to give him a ninth inning save opportunity? No. But if you ask me right now, do I trust Kirkering who's pitched two innings, given up a hit and a walk and struck out the rest of the guys he's faced him? Do I trust him more or Craig Kimbrell? I would say Kirkering. I can almost guarantee Kimbrell, when he gets in in the playoffs, something bad is going to happen. Whether it's a runner getting on first and stealing because he doesn't hold him on. And then when they're at second, they see the signs. And then that runner ends up scoring. It's just like we're walking the tightrope with Craig Kimbrell. And that is one where I know it's going to come back to bite him. But the Alvarado, Sir Anthony, Jeff Hoffman, who's given up a couple runs lately, but we saw him Tuesday night pitch the 10th. He's a late innings guy. He's one of your guys at this point. I feel good about Strom as long as you're not putting him in for multiple innings. And Greg Soto is so frustrating because he blew away the Pirates for a save last night and looked dominant. And then another time he'll have two strikeouts and then three walks. So you don't know what you're going to get from Soto. But he's also maybe an Alvarado type guy where when the moment gets bigger, he gets amped up and pitches better. Maybe he's a more middle guy just for matchups. I don't feel terrible about him in games, but definitely not as good as the others. So the bullpen as a whole, a huge glimmer of light going into the postseason, which is just massive. Like, you can't win in the playoffs if you don't have a dominant bullpen. It also uh, should be noted. I wrote this down. I didn't know where to throw it in, but with the Kimbrel stuff, since they started doing his Jim Rome welcome to the jungle open coming in for the ninth inning, well, now he comes in for the eighth and recently up one in the eighth, gives up a homer. I forget which game that was, but that said, like I'm, I'm good on Kimbrel and I'm good on the, on the entrance. He's not Trevor Hoffman. He's not Mariano Rivera. If you're going to give a guy an interest, Papel Bond, they better be pretty good. And they better only be pitching in the ninth inning. You can't rip that entrance in the seventh, have him come in and get shelled. Kimbrell's ERA at home, since they started doing his entrance, uh, Destiny Legardo tweeted this, it's 4.8. He's been getting rocked since they started doing it. Now, there's no cause and effect. It's just the worst. There, there's nothing that angers me more than him coming in in the eighth inning, than playing it. It's like, I know how this ends. He's going to get hit. So... They should eliminate that. That's my official stance. The official stance of the show on that. Uh, But quickly, the other good things entering the playoffs, I mentioned it. Nola looks the best he's looked all season. 12 and two-thirds innings, his last two starts. 10 hits, three runs, 16 strikeouts, and the biggest number here, zero walks. He is limiting base runners. We talked about the battle he had in Atlanta. He pitched good against a poor Pirates lineup. Um, Even when he gave up the homer, I still kind of felt that he was going to get through. And I don't like his stuff looks the best it's looked all season, which 
I don't know if it's going to work in the playoffs. Listen, I'm going to have faith. I'm going to be at that game, actually. I don't know if that's ironic or not, but I'll be there. Do I have faith it's going to work out? Not really, but the indications are good for him. That's the least we could say. And then I can't go through all this without mentioning JT Romuto in the last couple, in the last eight, nine days has started to hit the ball much better. After a season of really bad offensive production at home, good on the road, and then also with runners in scoring position, just absolute putrid efforts. He's starting to get it turned around. He hit that big homer against the Mets on Friday on the Apple TV game. He had a big single with runners in scoring position Saturday. He had a two-run single on Sunday. He's starting to turn it around a bit, which you don't need it that badly. But I mentioned who, if they had the biggest playoff turnaround, would mean the most. The answer is JT, just because of the difference in what his production was and what it should be. Um, his last, here it is, his last seven days, four games, 15 at-bats. He's hitting 333, OPS a 908 uh, with that homer, 6 RBI. So he's starting to show a little bit of life. Which, get it from the bottom of the order, fine. He's going to come up with runners in scoring position. And they're going to need him. Um, and then, yeah, Harper's red hot. I put that at the end, even though like, it's hard not to mention that in the beginning. This guy's, like, this guy's unbelievable. He's crushing the ball again. Listen to this. His last uh, seven days, five games, he's hitting 500 with a slugging over 1,000, an OPS of 1,700. He has two homers, six RBI, five walks, two doubles, seven hits. I mean, he, he's a machine. And you know once those playoff lights turn on, like it's he's there. Bryce Harper, the star that we saw last postseason. That's the guy I might have the most faith in here um, down the stretch and, and in the playoffs. All right, it's on the clock. Awesome show. It's the Red October edition. The Phillies get their postseason quest started on Tuesday against we don't know yet. And that's what we're going to do next. Coming up next, we're previewing the possible opponents. There's one very likely one that we'll spend most of our time on. But we'll talk about the potential matchups, how they're favorable, how they might work against the Phillies' favor. We'll get to that. It is postseason baseball. It's back. This is On the Clock. I'm Ben Kenny. We'll be right back. All right, we're back on the clock. Ben Kenny with you. Sports Radio 94 WIP. Phillies 24-7. I'm at Ben Z. Kenny on Twitter if you want to find me there. And it's a lot of sarcasm. It's a lot of college football. But we do talk about the Phillies. And if you want to be heard and input on the show, things of that nature, at Ben Z. Kenny on X, if I am contractually required to say that. I don't know if I am. Um, all right. National League wild card primer. The current standings below the Phillies, who have clinched the number one seed. Read as follows. The Arizona Diamondbacks are two up on the Chicago Cubs and the Marlins, who are tied, but the Marlins have the tiebreaker over the Cubs. But for the Phillies' purpose, they are playing the top one of the teams I list. So it looks like Arizona. They have four games left to play. Uh, and Cincinnati's down there. But I believe Cincinnati's eliminated from playing the Phillies. So we don't have to worry about them. Unfortunately, that might have been the best matchup for the Phils. And I would have enjoyed seeing Ellie De La Cruz uh, come to Citizens Bank Park. Uh, but Arizona is leading by two. The Cubs have the Cubs have dropped the most two hilarious games in Atlanta. If you haven't seen this, go find it. 
it's brought people back to a play from near when I was born in 1998 of Cubs Brewers, guy in left field, fly ball comes to him and he drops it. And I think it's close to the thing that kept the Cubs out of the playoffs, actually. Now this happened, it's the bottom of the eighth inning. Cubs had been up 6 nothing, And you know the Braves, they score. So the Braves are coming back. And runners on second and third, I think. Former Philly, Philly legend Drew Smiley was on the mound. And I forget who, but he hits a fly ball to right field. It's hit pretty well. But it's like a line drive, fly ball-ish. And Seiya Suzuki's in right. And he calls off the center fielder and he goes to catch it. And he just misses it. Completely misses the ball. Two Braves run score. Cubs lose that one. And then last night as well, they were winning 3-2 most of the game. And they end up, I, I was asleep at this point. I'm not that much of a sicko that I'm watching the Cubs collapse. But they lose 4-3 to three in 10 innings after Ronald Acuna steals second in the 10th. Holds up the bag because he got 40-70 or whatever. We're, we're just making up new milestones, by the way. Oh, yeah, here's 10 more stolen bases. There's a new category. It's like we know. The guy stole a lot of bases. They changed the rules. Awesome. He's good. But he holds up the bag like Ricky Henderson did when he set the record. And apparently the Cubs are furious because they're like, dude, we're like, we're fighting for a playoff spot. We're trying to get out of this inning. But Acuna scores. So the Cubs have lost two straight. That's the long way of saying they're struggling. The Marlins, on the other hand, decimated pitching staff at the moment. I think they, well, I know Alcantara's been out. I think Yuri Perez recently went down. The Marlins would be a great matchup itself, except there's the piece that just frightens you at how sometimes well the Marlins play the Phillies. So that's that's probably not going to happen, though. It's unrealistic because the Arizona Diamondbacks are two up on those teams. They have four games left. One, this is Thursday night. So they have one tonight against the White Sox who are dead, and the Diamondbacks are killing them. And then three at home against Houston, which is interesting because Houston is not clinched yet. And we'll talk about this in a little bit on the show. Houston is currently a game and a half up on Seattle for the final wildcard spot. They're playing the Mariners tonight, I think. And they're a half game back of Toronto for the second wildcard spot. So we're talking about a Houston team that's still trying to get in and cement where it's going to be in the playoffs. So those are three tough games to finish. The issue is the Cubs have one more left in Atlanta and then three in Milwaukee, which probably won't go great. I would not be surprised if the Cubs missed in hilarious fashion. Meanwhile, the Marlins have one more against the Mets and then three against Pittsburgh. But it looks like it's going to be Arizona. I would, I am confident saying it'll be Arizona because when we meet again next Friday, I would love to be recapping a win against that team and then tell you how right we were because of what I'm about to outline about Arizona specifically. Um, it's a it's an interesting matchup. Arizona is not playing great. They're playing great right now. They're 8-2. They're hot. But overall, season long, only a, a minus four run differential. They're not that impressive of a team. Yet, they were terrible last season. They've turned it around. They have these fun young players, a couple great pitchers, or guys that had been great. And they kind of have the makings of one of those pesky party crashers where on paper, you're not necessarily frightened of them. The matchup, the Phillies are, should be favored prohibitively. And I like them in so many different categories here. Yet the Diamondbacks have this weird, like they're young, 
and they don't know what losing is like. So maybe they just come in and play three great baseball games. That's what scares me about this team. It's not necessarily the matchup of their top pitchers, which I'll mention in a bit. It's just the fact of like maybe Corbin Carroll, Christian Walker just get red hot and the team wreaks havoc on the base pads and somehow scratches together wins just because they are that. They're that team that everybody would overlook, it feels like. Maybe like last year's Phillies. Not with the star power, not with the potential, but with the, I don't know, with the doubt, no one's going to pick them with the youth again. So, I don't know. It's it, It'll be an interesting matchup. So, they have Zach Gallen and Merrill Kelly. That's their great one-two punch at the top of the rotation. Now, what plays into the Phillies' favor at the moment is Zach Gallen is, like Lorenzen is, Zach Gallen is way past his career high in innings. And remember, Lorenzen, after he passed his career high and threw the no-hitter, has fallen off the face of the earth and been terrible and might not even factor into the pitching plans in the playoffs. With this group, though, Zach Gallen goes over his innings limit, and in his last three games, this is the last three games for Gallen and Kelly. First Gallen, 16 innings pitched, a 5.63 ERA, 17 hits, 10 earned runs. He's given up two home runs, 18 to seven strikeout to walk, but his but his whip is 1.5. His average against is all the way at 280. He's been getting crushed. He's a 5.63 in his last three starts. So you pair that with well, he's a Philly area guy too. So you know damn well the media they're gonna see that happen. Oh, here we go. Zach Gallen homecoming stories just fed down our throats the entire week as we get ready to watch this series. But you know how it's going to be. He's coming into Philadelphia, a raucous environment against a great offense, which hopefully is hot and is really hard to navigate. And he hasn't been pitching well. So you would think that aligns well for the Phillies. And I would agree. They would have the prohibitive pitching advantage for game one, Wheeler against Gallon, just given the current form of both guys. Playoff experience, obviously Wheeler's side. And Gallon's just been getting crushed. I don't know how else to put it. So that's good news piece number one. Good news piece number two is Merrill Kelly, the other, the number two, 16.2 innings pitched in his last three starts. His ERA is all the way up at 5-4. He's given up 13 hits, 10 earned runs, similar strikeout to walk, a couple more walks, a whip of 1-3-2, uh, and an average against of 2-10. He's been giving it up too. So there are two dependable pitchers at the top of the rotation. Gallon and Kelly are both pitching the furthest from it. And that's huge because those are their two guys. Behind them, they have this kid, Ryan Nelson, who I don't know where he came from, to be completely honest. he is. It's his second year, his first full season with the team. And his ERA is 5-3. You go after that, Brandon... P-F-A-A-D-T. I'm not even going to... Brandon Fat, Brandon Pat, whatever. However you pronounce his name, I could have done research to do that, but you know how this show operates. We do research, but on the important things. I will learn how to... I actually probably won't. I'm not going to learn how to pronounce his name. Brandon Pafat, 5.72 ERA this season. I'm saying all this to say they have two great starters who are not pitching like great starters, And the rest of the rotation is weak. It's a real weakness on the team. 
So, I mean, that's a great piece of news for a Phillies offense to get going early, to get hot early in the playoffs in general and against this team. Um, pitching overall, Diamondbacks, they're 20th in baseball in ERA, 19th in whip, 20th in average against. Uh, the bullpen, 17th in ERA. Similar numbers, a little better. Uh, 17th in average against. It's like it's You just look up and down the stats with this Diamondbacks team, and it's not that impressive. They've just impressively found ways to win games and stuck in the the playoff race playing in a really tough division with the Dodgers and the Giants and the Padres. The latter two obviously have have fallen off and will not be in the postseason. But it's an average bullpen. It's an average pitching staff, even with the good things not going well. So this leads, you would think, to a lot of Phillies offense. And we've seen, obviously, in the past, did not all align the way we think, but that's what it looks like. If I had to just look at the numbers and tell you what I think is going to happen, that's what it looks like. Uh, Meanwhile, Diamondbacks as a whole, 17th in OPS offensively, 13th in average, 15th in on base. So they are an average offense. They're led by Corbin Carroll. Uh, He'll get rookie of the year. He's awesome. He is worth being scared of. Christian Walker as well, uh, their first baseman. The Diamondbacks went four and three against the Phillies this year. And I know that that the Phillies went out there and won three out of four. Should have been four out of four with the Cody Clemens walk off or go ahead home run that went foul. But the Diamondbacks came into Philly and won two out of three, if I'm not mistaken, early in the season. I have to check when that was because there should be an asterisk on series one before the Phillies started to play baseball, which is anything before June. And I think it was before June. It was when the team was struggling. So the Phillies won four and three against them in the regular season, but the matchup is just outlines well on paper. That's all I can say. And if the Phillies go on to lose as Josh Pate, if you are a college football fan, he has a great podcast. And as he says, you know, if my prediction's wrong, don't blame me. Blame the referees and the kids. Jokingly, obviously, he says this. That's the same. Like, if if all this comes not true and the Phillies lose, don't blame me for predicting it. Blame the umpires and blame the players. It's the easiest way to do it. One other uh, thing with the Diamondbacks, actually, I have to mention. One big strength and one way they approach the game They are second in baseball in stolen bases. They are really aggressive on the base pass. They have speed. They're young. They, with this new era and the bases and the pitch clock, there's obviously an advantage to be had with teams that are fast and can actually utilize that speed. It's easier to steal bases than it's been. So they've done it. And that's a way. They like to wreak havoc on the base pass often. Now, the Phillies are strong, obviously, with JT and throwing runners out. So you would think that could be something that counteracts itself. And maybe if the Phils can shut down the Diamondbacks' run game, then you really look at a decisive win of a series. The issue with that, though, is Aaron Nola, who is terrible at holding runners on, terrible with runners on. You could throw Nola there. You could throw Kimbrell. There are a couple guys in this rotation that just can't manage a run game. And that's something when they're on the mound to watch because – They're aggressive, and that's how they're able to score. That's how they like to score. So, aside from that, uh, good matchup. JT's arm, I think, though, is definitely going to be a factor. 
I think this series, when the Diamondbacks, and I'll say when, when the Diamondbacks come to town, is more about the Phillies taking care of business than it is the challenge Arizona presents. Obviously, in every game, there's a winner and there's a loser. But in this case especially, it feels like like the Phillies would have to play terribly and give away the series for Arizona to win, as opposed to the other way around, as opposed to both good teams just needing to... There's a, there's a difference, if you know what I mean. The Phillies would need to lose this series to give it to Arizona, as opposed to Arizona being good enough or presenting enough of a threat to be scared of them coming in and winning. So that's the matchup overall. A good one for the Phillies. The only thing, I maybe I'll just mention it with the Cubs, just in case the Arizona Diamondbacks completely collapse. It's worth noting, again, if you're looking for good pitching news, while Justin Steele, the Cubs' top guy, is a lefty, his last three games, his ERA is close to 10. So bad form for the Cubs' top guy as well. The Cubs are a better offensive team, and they're a better pitching team. They are by far a tougher matchup for me. So if I'm looking at the team I'd want to face, yeah, Arizona's a little pesky and somewhat frightening. The Cubs are a lot more frightening than the Diamondbacks are. So if you can, root for the Diamondbacks to hold that position and let the Cubs get in. Let the Cubs get in and and beat, I think it'd be the Brewers and then beat the Dodgers and then have them come into Citizens Bank for the NLCS. I'm down with that. Very much down. Um... It is worth noting also when I talk about matchups, compare Arizona and the Cubs. Both teams are actually better against righties than they are against lefties, batting-wise. The Phillies, obviously, with Nola and Wheeler as two very prominent righties in the rotation. Um, The Cubs, though, are fourth and on base in baseball against righties. That's a stat to consider. I just, I I don't want to face the Cubs. Give me the Diamondbacks. It, It lines up well for the Phillies. They just have to take care of business. I think it's going to be that simple. You got Wheeler going Tuesday. You got Aaron Nola going Wednesday. It looks like TBD on Thursday, if necessary, obviously. Hopefully it's not. If Suarez is used in the bullpen in games one and two, they probably won't have him start this, obviously. But there's also a chance that he's not needed in the bullpen games one and two, and then he can't start. So they're flexible. I think they go Chris Sanchez after Ranger if he can start game three. But could you imagine the season comes down to a Chris Sanchez start in game three of the NL wildcard series? Talk about guys that we didn't think would be doing this and we didn't expect much from this season. And there you go. That that, that would obviously be something. But just a, a couple quick keys to the series before we move on to baseball as a whole and get out of here. The Phillies obviously need length and they need dominance from Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola. The bullpen lines up, in my opinion, to be really dominant one day. And then the next day, you're kind of stretching it. And especially day three, where you want to use the Sir Anthony Alvarado, maybe Hoffman trio. And the next day, if you can use them again, they're probably not going to be as effective. That's when you're going down to Strom and Soto in some spots. So they need at least one of those guys to be dominant so that you can use the pen in the other day if the other one Probably Nola needs uh, needs slack picked up. The key to the series to me might be avoiding using Craig Kimbrell. Honestly, I don't trust him in a big spot. I don't trust him against a team that can run. I don't trust him really with with any close lead. 
late in games at this point. But to win this series overall, the Phillies have to capitalize on the Diamondback struggling starters, like what I mentioned. And out of the whole lineup that'll be visiting, you just cannot let Corbin Carroll or Christian Walker beat you. That's simple. They need to start hot. They need to reinstall the home dominance that we saw last season. Because any inkling of hope you give to a young team that hasn't been there, that's just going to lead to them believing they can actually win. If you pile on four runs on them in the first three innings of the series, and then they get down early, not that they'll quit, but there's a lot less belief in the opposing clubhouse of a team that has not been to the playoffs and of primarily players that have not played playoff baseball. So start hot, reinstall the home dominance, and... When the moment happens, we're going to get a big moment late in the game. We're going to get a big home run. A key to this series and a key to the sanity of the city of Philadelphia, do not immediately give up two runs as soon as the moment happens. Like we so often saw this season. Like that bit happens, awesome. Can we please leave that bit behind in the regular season? That's my plea. All right, I'm Ben Kenny. It's on the clock. Let's let's talk some Major League Baseball as a whole when we come back. Playoff races, updates on them, what the projected wild card round looks like, some picks for it, and then like I, I could talk about the Phillies weekend series against the Mets, but in all honesty, who cares? Maybe we'll talk about the Mets for a minute. But it's on the clock. We'll, we'll come right back. Got a couple segments left to go. All right, it's on the clock. Ben Kenny, Sports Radio 94, WIP, and Phillies 24-7. Now, the Phillies 24-7 channel, if you miss playoff games, want to listen to them again, if you want all of the shows we have, if you're listening on podcasts, you obviously know where the other podcasts are, but it's on the Odyssey app. Go find it. Search Phillies 24-7. It's a good channel to save. I would recommend highly saving that next to WIP. That's how my Odyssey dashboard thing looks like. Um, but yeah, a it's playoff baseball time. It's the best time of year. The... The weather's changing. It was cold today, walking in. Put a flannel on. It feels like playoff baseball, which is great. Like, it's my favorite time of year. Got the Ryder Cup this weekend for the sickos like myself that will wake up early to watch it. By early, I mean, like, 5 a.m. I'm waking up. I'm watching the sunrise. I'm getting a coffee. I'm watching the Ryder Cup. Um, It's an awesome sports time. Anyway, so playoff races, MLB, as of Thursday afternoon. Toronto, uh, it's really two you should watch. Mainly the AL wild card. Well, and the NL wild card, obviously, but we just mentioned that with who the Phillies will play. But Toronto is a half game up on Houston. Toronto's the second wild card. The Rays are locked in. Toronto's a half up on Houston. Seattle is now a game and a half back of Houston. Uh, for So Seattle's out at the moment. They lost to them. Seattle lost last night. And then they have one more shot at them to maybe get back within a half game. That could be decided on the final day or close to the final day. The only other division race really is Texas having a two and a half game lead now on Houston for the AL West. So the the AL West as a whole is very bunched up. And you're talking about two, at least in my opinion, Toronto, uh, not Toronto, Texas and Houston, two bona fide World Series contenders are still jockeying for position. So if you... Dial into MLB tonight. That's probably what the focus is going to be. Where we sit right now, the projected final round, you have Diamondbacks at Phillies. And if it ended today, it's Marlins at Brewers, but it's Marlins or Cubs. And again, that could also come down 
to the final days. The Marlins playing Pittsburgh and the Cubs playing the Brewers, who have already clinched in the last couple days. So maybe you don't see the best pitchers. Maybe the Cubs can take care of business. In the AL, Toronto's going to be at Tampa Bay and Houston's going to be at Minnesota. Now, I hope the Phillies playoff games start at night, at least for the first two. I know it's during the week, but I look at the rest of those matchups, like Marlins, Brewers, Toronto, Tampa Bay, Houston at Minnesota. The Phillies are the biggest television draw by far of all those teams. So maybe that's good news. Maybe we get a 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. playoff game. But that is a big hope from my end for many reasons. Uh, Also for the atmosphere generally and tailgating. So if I had to go through it and we'll reconvene after the wild card round, hopefully the Phils are have punched their ticket to the division series. I'm taking the Phillies over the Diamondbacks. I'll take them in two. I think they handle the top two pitchers. I think the offense really comes alive. And even if Aaron Nola, I I trust Wheeler. I think he has a great game one, sets the tone. Even if Nola gets hit, I think the Phillies will have enough bullpen arms in game two to weather that storm. I think Thompson obviously is a quick trigger taking Nola out of the game. And I just think with how the entire team is playing and offensively, I don't think the Diamondbacks have enough to, 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 to come in and do it. They obviously can. It's baseball. It's not a coin flip, but it's, it isn't far from it, but I'm taking the Phillies. I just like how it, how it lines out. I would take the Brewers over the Marlins. I'll take the Brewers over the Cubs too. I'll show love to my people in Milwaukee. And then the Brewers go on to face the Dodgers. I'm going to take Toronto over Tampa. I just, Tampa has been decimated by injury. Their best two players are out for two different reasons. Shane McClanahan's hurt and Wander Franco is under investigation. And then we're going to leave it at that. You can look it up. We've mentioned it on the show, but he is not playing. That is the news I can confidently convey. So I'll take Toronto over Tampa. And then uh, Houston over Minnesota is the easiest series pick I think anybody has ever had. The Twins have lost 18 straight playoff games. Can you imagine that? Their last one came, I think, like 2006, 2007 time against the Yankees in game one of the ALDS. They lost the next three. They've lost a bunch of ALDSs by three. And then they've lost a couple wild card games. They've lost 18 straight playoff games. Houston's the defending champion. I don't think they'll have any trouble winning that one. So, so then you look ahead, and it is Phillies, Braves, Dodgers, Brewers, Houston, and Texas, and then Toronto and Baltimore. And I, I truly believe that the winner of Braves, Phillies, is going to the World Series. I don't care if it's the Dodgers, the Brewers, the Cubs, whoever on the other side. The winner of Phillies, Braves, if the Phillies get there, is going to the World Series. And I think the winner of Houston, Texas, is doing the same thing in the American League. I love Baltimore to death. I don't know if they're if they're there yet. They're a really good team. But there's something about how Houston runs and what they've done so far that it's hard to discount. So... Yeah, there's uh, winner Braves, Phillies, in Houston, Texas. But we'll reconvene it, and we'll talk about the division series uh, when that time comes. All right, it's on the clock. We will step away for a final time. Close it out next. All right, on the clock, we are back. Uh, another minute or so. I'm not even going to preview the series against New York this weekend. 
Um, I saw Lindor got 30-30. Good for him. The the Mets are a joke. There is a, uh, shoot, what's his name? Tim Salmon, I believe. Will Salmon. Apologies. He used to cover the Brewers. He now covers the Mets for the Athletic. Follow him on Twitter, at Will Salmon. Wrote an awesome article about the sheer incompetence of this year's Mets team. The highest payroll ever to now, now they missed the playoffs and they're pathetic. Read that article. That's what I would advise. Watch the Phillies too, but read that article. That's the Phillies-Mets series this weekend. And then wild card. Tuesday, Wheeler Gallon, Nola versus Merrill Kelly Wednesday. And then TBD, probably Ranger Suarez against Ryan Nelson on, on Thursday, if necessary. Playoff baseball is here. Everybody enjoy it. I hope, I hope that I come back next Friday and I'm talking about a Phillies win and we're talking about Phillies Braves in unfortunately only a five game series, but the series that everybody is looking forward to have fun this week, everybody. Uh, And we thank you as always for hanging around. See ya. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.